Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we continue our study of the book of Judges, and we begin chapter 9. Unfortunately, this is a very sorry chapter in the history of the people of Israel. Um, not one of the proudest moments. And we, just to remind you, we just finished reading the story of the Gidon, who was the um, judge who arose from obscurity, who was a simple, humble um, farmhand on his father's farm from a simple, humble uh, family in the tribe of Manasseh, who rose largely on the force of his humility and dedication to God. He rose to lead the people in a great victory against the uh, Midianites and the Kedemites and the Amalekites. And uh, he led them to victory. But we saw how at the end of his life, um, Gidon, uh, you know, I mean, the, the climax of his humility and his piety was at the moment when the people uh, wanted to appoint him as king. At that point, Gidon uh, turned down the offer and said, only God is your king, I cannot be your king. And after that, things started to go south and we started to read of the seeds of what we're about to read today and the, the seeds were planted for a descent into uh, murderous idolatry the um those seeds were planted when Gidon gave in to the the um to give into the temptation to uh, give the people what they were looking for not in the form of himself as king but give them the aphod of gold the golden uh apron which ended up becoming uh, a, a substitute for God and an idol that the people started to worship, and the um, the and the people and we ended the chapter by saying that the people in already in the time of Gidon's lifetime had um, had turned astray and started following the Baal again and st and made a Brit and made a uh, a covenant with Baal with the on the infamous. Um, idol that was worshipped so often during these times in the land of Canaan, the uh, and 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 that the people then turned away from Gidon and they had completely lost whatever leadership Gidon had, which came from his faith in God and and his loyalty to God, completely dissipated when he turned towards the idol, the ephod, which was initially meant to be a representation of, of, of God, ended up becoming uh, what led the people astray. Now, this is a very important theme that repeats itself for those who have been studying together with me all of the books of the prophets that we've studied so far will know the key connection between idolatry and arrogance. The desire for a representation of God on this earth, the desire for either a person, in, the, in this case asking for a person in the form of a king to represent God's uh, uh, a kingdom over this earth, whether it's a desire for an object like an aphod, the, the is, 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 is a, um, recognizes the human urge for control, for control over the divine. It's the human urge to have access to the divine, that we can see it, have, make it tangible, so, and we can do things in order to get favor from it. This is the key arrogance that comes from and is so closely related to idol worship. This arrogance is the idea 
that we can somehow do things on this world that can somehow um, you know, manipulate the gods rather than only what God actually wants from us, the real God, which is to live a good life and to follow his rules, to follow his mitzvot, and thus bring goodness to this world. That's the only type of relationship that God wants us to have. And to recognize that we do not have power over the divine. The divine is not something that we can tangibly access in this world. The divine is something that we don't necessarily understand. And the access that we have is to follow his commands, to do what he asked us to do, which is to live by his Torah. And we will see the idea of um, emet and tamim, truth and loyalty to God, which is the key thing that God wants. We'll see that soon in this, what we're about to read. So we also read at the end of chapter 8 of a son that Yerubal, Yerubal, which was another name for Gidon, um, <clears throat> Uh, had a son named Avi Melech, who was uh, not exactly illegitimate, but he was uh, a lesser. Uh, uh, he had uh, seventy sons from his wives uh, that lived in in uh, his hometown, but in Shechem, in a different town, he had a concubine from whom he had a son named Avi Melech. Avi Melech means my father is king, and this son grew up with whether that was his actual name or not is isn't clear, but it certainly. Um, it certainly defines his personality. Avimelech grew up knowing that his father was offered to be king and then therefore to have hereditary kingship and his father turned it down and Avimelech did not want, was not happy with that move on his father's part. He wanted to be king and he was upset that his father didn't take the kingdom when he could have and thus possibly paved the way for Avimelech himself to be king. So this we have this uh, uh, angry young man um, who's jealous of his brothers, his 70 brothers who are the real sons, and he's just the step, like the, kind of like the stepchild. So, Vayelech Avimelech ben Yerubal Shechem. Avimelech, the son of Yerubal, went to Shechem, Elachei Imo, to the brothers of his mother. Okay, so remember his mother, which who was the concubine, had these brothers. And, and, um, and they lived in Shechem, which was not the hometown of Gidon. And he spoke with them, and he spoke to the entire family of his father's household, saying as follows. So here he is, um, I'm sorry, not his father's household, his mother's father's household. In other words, he went to his mother's family to get support. So, and, and basically, uh, obviously, the, they would be the ones who'd say, who'd, who would rally to the support of Avimelech because he's one of theirs. And they would they think, well, he's the true heir to Gidon. He's the one who should be king. Um, after all, his name is Avimelech. His father is king. And those other 70 sons that live over there, they're just, um, you know, they're, they're not doing... They're, 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 we, we don't want them as a leader. So, Dabrunabi Azne Kobalei Shechem. So, so Avimelech says to his family in Shechem, I want you to please talk to all of the leaders of this town, Shechem. <clears throat> Is it any good for you that those 70 sons, all of those descendants of Yerubal, the, the sons of Gidon, so the Gidon's family was still in charge at this time. No new judge had, had arose. So they were being ruled by, by the 70 sons of Gidon, uh, in a very loose 
uh, you know, a group of, of, of leaders, Kol Bnei Yerubal, all the sons of Yerubal. And Mishol B'chem Ishechad, wouldn't it be better if it was unified in the hands of one strong man like me, Uzuchartem, and remember, Ki Atzmechem Ubezarchem Ani, that if I rule, I'm one of you, right? I'm one of you guys. You guys would want me to rule because I'm from Shechem and I'm one of you. Those guys, they're not from Shechem. They're, they're the sons of Gidon. They don't live here. So support me and I'll be in charge. So Vayedabru and his family, of course, liked the way this sounded. And they went to talk to the other leaders of Shechem. It's called Baram All of these things that, that, that he had just spoke to them. And their hearts turned towards, you know, to be in support of Avimelech Ki Amrochinu, because they said he's one of us, he's one of ours, he's one of our family, he's one, of, he's a Shechemite, so we are, we're going to support him. So what did they do in order to help him in his quest? Vayitnu lo shivim kesef. They gave him a donation of seventy pieces of silver, mi baal beris. And where did they get the money from? From the uh, from the idol house of idol worship, the temple of Baal. The temple that 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 um, that um, that was in commemoration of the special covenant that the people had with the idol Baal. So Avimelech directly gets his support from uh, his family members, his disgruntled family members, and their town from the idol worshiping temple of Baal. And um, let's see what he does with this. So Avimelech. He uses that to hire himself a bunch of mercenaries, but not just mercenaries, but anoshim rakim people that are empty, meaning that the rake means worthless, empty, nothing. People that have no values, no nothing. Upochazim, people that um, that uh, a pachaz is someone who who rushes to do things without thinking, so they they're thoughtless, uh, recklesses empty, useless people, and they followed after him. So Avimelech now has money to hire his goons, and so he comes to Afra, where his father's family lives, and with his, with his worthless, useless thugs, he kills all of the sons, all of his half-brothers, Shivimish, uh, all seventy of them, all on one stone. But there was one survivor, the youngest, Yosam ben Yerubal Hakaton Kinechpa. The youngest child was hiding and they couldn't find him. He was the only survivor of that of his father's family. So, um, so now they, so they, they, they and, and what's scary about this is you don't see any defense of this family. You, the people of Afra didn't stand up to defend them, or if they did, it's not recorded. Whatever it was, you don't see much um, fanfare over this awful, awful, awful murderous act that, you know, beyond description. <laughs> and what happens? So all of the people, the leaders of Shechem gathered, Shechem, which is the hometown of Avimelech, who had just committed this, this terrible, terrible act, Behold Beit Milo and all the people of Beit Milo, they all gathered together. Vayelchu and they went Vayamlichu at Avimelech lemelech, and they went and they uh, crowned Avimelech as king. Im Elon Mutzav Asher Bishchem. And where did they do it? They did it near the Elon, which Elon is is a tree, is a nice. Uh, it's usually called a. a I think it's, 
It's identified as a terebinth, a nice shade tree, Mutzav, which was standing uh, in Shechem. So this tree was a focal point in the city. And under the tree, they crowned him as king. Now, um, so he then, unfortunately, uh, becomes the first anointed, or it doesn't say that they was anointed, but it does say that he was uh, uh, crowned as king, um, king of, of Israel. And that's pretty awful because he was an awful person and he gets even more awful. So, um, uh, so he does not really very much remembered um, as he's not someone that we really like to remember very much. But this is, this is what happened. Um, this is just how corrupt the people went when they follow. So what, once you start following an idol, people follow brute strength. They follow goons. They follow, um, you know, the uh, people that, that are, are murderous, jealous, etc. Yosam, and it was told to Yosam, who was the surviving son who was hiding. And he went, and he stood at the top of Mount Gerizim. And he raised his voice and he called out. So Yosam heard of what happened, that his brother Avimelech seized power in such a brutal way. Um, and he taught everyone a lesson by giving a speech from the top of the mountain. And this is his very, very interesting speech to the people. Um, and uh, what, as we read through Yosam's speech, think about the meaning of of a king. What is a king um, supposed to do? What does a king provide? Um, so, Vayomer Laham, what would be the, the if you, one were to hire, to crown a king for the right reasons versus the opposite? Vayomer Laham, and he says to them, Shimu Eli Baalei Shechem. Listen to me, leaders of the city of Shechem. Vayishma Aleichem Elohim. And the, the, if you listen to me and you follow my advice, then God will listen to you. So Yosem is telling them something really, really careful, really calculated here. If you really want God to listen to you, then the way to God is not through idol worship. The way to God is not through murder. The way to God is not through the kinds of things that idol worship leads people to. If you really want, then listen to me and listen to the proper lessons. And then you will know how to get God to be on your side like he was with Gidon when Gidon was at the height of his leadership. Here's a story. All of the trees of the forest wanted to have a king. They wanted They wanted to anoint a king to lead them. Presumably why? Because the king, the trees felt they needed leadership, someone to unite them, someone to fight their fights and, and win their battles and protect them. So the first went, they went to the olive tree and they said, please be our king over us, be the king over us. The Zayas, the olive tree, the symbol of, 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 it gives its fruit from year to year. It's a, one of the most basic trees in this time period and in this, uh, and in this um, region. It makes sense. Of course, they would go to the olive tree first. So what did the olive tree say? The olive tree said to them, Have I stopped um, giving my oil? That, that through, through my oil, that is how God gets honor and men get honor. In other words, I have a job. I give olives. I give oil, right? Um, through that, 
through doing what is appropriate, through helping people, through giving oil. Oil is also very often a symbol of wisdom. Oil is a symbol of, of, of bounty and health. This is what I do in order that hum- both people and God receive honor in this world. That I should then go and be the ruler and, 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 and literally mean to wave over all the other trees. I bring about honor of God. I bring about bounty and, and goodness to human beings, to people, to this world. That's my job. I should stop doing what it is that I do and then just, what, wave over all the trees? That's, that's not my role. That's not what I'm supposed to do. Think about what he's saying. Why did Gidon turn down? Gidon, when he turned down the kingdom before things went south, Gidon's job was to teach people humility, to teach people the, the humility which, which was his greatest strength, which was the reason God chose Gidon to lead the people in the first place, that ended up bringing the people uh, a bounty, that brought the people the, the, the relief that they needed from their enemies. That is how I, not, I don't rule over, I don't bring goodness to this world by ruling over everyone else. So then the next thing they did was they went to the fig tree, the next tree, which also appears very often throughout the Torah, throughout Tanakh, throughout the prophets, the te'ena, the fig tree and what it represents. You go and rule over us. The um, so the fig tree, so so the the so verse ten the so the trees turn to the fig tree. You come, you come, be king over us. And the so after turning to the olive, they now turn to the fig tree, the fig tree which is so often a symbol of bounty, the symbol of the sweet fruit, one of the seven fruits with which the land of Israel is blessed. So the fig tree said the same thing. Have I stopped giving my sweetness and my delicious good fruit? <coughs> Should I stop doing what it is that I do, what it is that the special things that I bring, the good sweetness that I bring, and go and just wave over all the other trees and be the boss? Is that what is that my job in this world? And then the, 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 the trees go to the next tree, which is the, uh, the grapevine, also often the symbol of, of, of bounty, the symbol of, of riches, the symbol of, of the wealth of the land of Israel. Why don't you go, you, grape, you be the king over us. Shall I stop giving my good wine? Which, what, what does my wine accomplish? Which also makes God happy and people happy. The key thing here, again, the Gefen is repeating the idea that bringing true happiness to God and people is bringing goodness to the world, bringing sweetness to the world, bringing peace to the world. That is what brings about a relationship between God and men. Yosam is teaching us something so important. What should I do? Just go be boss over the other trees? Yosam is pointing out that a true ruler is a person who brings goodness, who brings peace, who brings peace between God and human beings, who brings bounty to all by doing the things which, they, the humble things, but the things that are meaningful and important. But then, when none of these trees did any good, they went to 
a tree that basically gives nothing. Nothing except grief and pain. They went to the atad. The atad is, uh, scholars identify it as a type of thorn bush that lives in the desert uh, and it, um, it, it, it's too thorny. You get near it, you get poked and scratched. Um, it doesn't give shade, it doesn't give fruit. Um, in the summertime, the leaves dry up and it's just uh, like brambles and, it, and it's uh, basically very um, likely to catch flame and, and cause uh, fire. If, if it's useful for anything, it would be as, as kindling. But even that, it's hard because of the thorns. It's hard to, um, to harvest it and use it. So, why don't you be the king? So so the thorn bush said to the trees, what does a thorn but have to offer? If in truth, are you really truly coming to me and pointing me as the king over you? So then, do you really want me to be your leader? Go ahead, come sit in my shade. That's impossible. Everyone knows that it's impossible. The people look at the atad, the only thing the atad is useful for is causing death and pain. So you really want me to be your leader? Oh, come, come, sit in my shade. And remember, this atad basically gives no shade. And if you tried to sit in its shade, all you'd get is proked and pricked. And if not, if you really don't, so you want me to be a leader? You want me to be your head? So come, take benefit from the things that I have to offer. And if you're not here in truth, if you really don't want me to be a leader, then let me do, then I'll do exactly what I'm good at, which is a fire will come out of the atta, the thorn bush. That's the kind of leadership that I'm going to provide. If you're coming to me, that's what you're going to get. If you go to a bunch of thorns and you go to, to, to something that's only useful for starting fires, I'll just burn down the whole place. Viata, and now. Yotam finishes his parable and he says, "In if in truth and in tamim is is someone who's loyal, someone who's faithful, if that if you did this in truth, if this is actually really what you want, and and that is why you went and made Avimelech king because you really wanted to." Um, to continue the leadership of Gidon, the faithful, honest, uh, uh, humble leadership of Avimelech, that this is what you were trying to do, continue the legacy of, of Gidon by, by, appointing his king, by appointing his son Avimelech king, and if this is, and if what you were actually doing, and obviously it's not, but if what you're actually doing is because you wanted to do something good for Yerubal, meaning Gidon's family and, and or Gidon himself and his family and his legacy, if, if is that what you really want? And have if you have done for him what he has done for you, right? In other words, by anointing his son Avimelech, like you're claiming we are bringing, making King Avimelech because he's the son of Yerubal, he's the one who we want to lead us. If this is true and this is really truthfully something good, so then go ahead, sit in that shade and let's see what you get. Remember what my father did for you. He rescued you, he waged war for you. He risked his life, he put his life on the line for the people. He saved you from Midian. That's what he did. And you think you're doing this when you hire Avimelech? And instead, no, that's not what you did. 
verse 18, You have rose up against my father's family. And you struck down and executed and slaughtered his 70 sons over one stone. And what did you do? You made Avimelech king, Ben Amaso, the one who was just a son of his concubine, Abale Shechem, and you made him the um, the the king uh, over over Shechem, Kiachichem, just because he's one of your brothers. That's it. This was done out of jealousy, not because you wanted to, uh, uh, you know, uh, honor the legacy of Gidon. And if this is really what you have done in truth and loyalty, this is what you've done with Yerubal, with Gidon and his family today, go ahead, be happy with your new king Avimelech. Go sit in the shade of the thorn bush. And let him be happy with you. You can hear obviously the sarcasm and, and um, in this statement. Go be happy with what you've hired. Avimelech who's useful for nothing except being, uh, causing pain, causing death. But if this is not true, in other words, you did not do this out of loyalty to, 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 to Gidom, which is clearly the case. May the flames of destruction come from Avimelech. He's going to end up destroying you. You think he's your king. In the end, he's going to destroy you, Shechem. He's going to destroy Beit Milovah. And eventually, it's going to consume Avimelech himself. Such a kingdom will not last. A kingdom based on violence and destruction and dishonesty. And then Yosem, after he concluded his speech, Vayonos Yosem, Yosem ran, Vayivrach, Vayelach Be'era, and he rent towards Be'er, Vayeshev Sham, and he settled there in a place that he was safe, Mipne Avimelech Achiv, from Avimelech, his brother. He hid out in, in this place, Be'era, where he um, escaped the wrath of his brother. So this was the story of how Avimelech seized power, became the first king and put king in quotation marks um, and the the uh, parable of Yotam his half-brother um, who ran to escape from him thank you so much this is uh, where this very long chapter of nine unfortunately we have to continue reading the the um, the villainous and murderous exploits of Avi Melech uh, as we continue chapter 9 and hopefully finish it in the next podcast. Thank you so much for studying together with me.